Kia ora, and welcome to Around the Table. This podcast is a practical conversation where a group of leaders sit around the table and tell stories about how they've seen intergenerational discipleship reinvigorating the church here in Aotearoa. In this episode, we explore how offering hospitality is another important building block in the development of an intergenerational culture. Well, kia ora everyone. Here we are on our last conversation in Matheson Bay. Can we stay here forever? Because it's actually really beautiful. For those of you listening, you can't see the putaka, which is starting to bloom, which is a sign that Christmas is on its way and the beautiful water. But yeah, I might just not go home. I might just stay here. Thanks so much for joining us, lovely people around the kitchen table. We have some familiar faces if you listen to the other conversations and some new ones. So I'm going to ask Raywin to introduce herself. Kia ora, I'm Raywin Moody and I'm the Children and Family Ministry Kaitiaki for the Northern Baptist Association. Mm. Kia ora, I'm Jan Ozan and I'm the Family Pastor at Otomotai Baptist Church in Tauranga, but also the National Points Person for Baptist Children and Families. Kia ora, my name is Liz Eichler, I work for Scripture Union, I lead the Children and Families team based in Wellington. Kia ora. I'm Annette Osborne and Liz is my boss. Uh, I work, <laughs> Best behaviour. <laughs> I work as a part of the Children and Families team at Scripps Union and I'm based in Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland. Awesome. And I'm Diana Langdon and I live in Wellington and I uh, work for the Anglican Diocese of New Zealand as the National Children and Families Ministry Enabler. So nice couple from Wellington, from Tauranga, Auckland, a good representative. The thing that actually gathers us and unites us is that we have just been uh, spending time together just in the space of intergenerational communities. What we love about them, what are the challenges about them, our hopes and our dreams for the church to reflect an intergenerational body of Christ that loves all generations. And while we often come from kids and families ministry backgrounds, we have a real heart for making sure that church is a space where all generations feel like they are connected to one another and they can worship and serve one another. And so we've gathered around this topic of hospitality. Churches love the word hospitality. And so we just thought we'd kind of pull it apart and see if there are opportunities for our intergen communities to live into it a bit more so just as a kind of start of 10 have you had any experiences of great hospitality for me probably one of my standouts will come from te Māori, where i was welcomed onto a marae and my husband and i were leading a group of teens from auckland we traveled a long way to the bay of plenty we didn't arrive till about 10 30 at night and after our pulfiri, we were greeted in the kitchen by steaming ladles of food and beautiful fresh Māori fry bread. Oh and the goodness. hospitality was just so overwhelming that this marae had waited up to welcome us for the time that our bus mm-hmm. trundled into town. Mm-hmm. So we just felt so generously welcomed in that space. Everyone, all ages, were there. Mm-hmm. That's so good. When we arrived in Tauranga 15 years ago and we were looking for a faith community to be part of, we turned up at the church I'm currently at uh, with four little children in tow, like our youngest was nine months old and our oldest was seven. And the very first Sunday morning we were there, this older couple in the church invited us round to their place for lunch. They had adult children who no longer lived in their home, But they were not scared of inviting (laughs) six people round to their house 
four little people. We were not easy to host <laughs> uh, for a meal, but their hospitality was what made us stay mm-hmm. at that church. Mm-hmm. It was a mark of what this community was like, and it made us think, yes, that's where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think of my um, some of my closest friends in the world, they now live in Denmark, when they invited me around for lunch after church one day, they're amazing. You know, it was just, it was a great, great to be with them. But at the end of the time, they said, so when are we going to see you again? And I thought, oh, they're just being polite. They went, no, no, next week, when are we going to see you? Let's book in a time. And it was an intentionality that, you know, it was, it was a warm welcome. Mm. They loved spending time with me and they wanted to continue to grow that relationship. It wasn't a one-off. Mm. And yeah, like 15 years later, it turns out we're best friends. So, Great. yeah. And my husband and I were in London in the late 90s. We headed to a church and we were invited afterwards for lunch, which was midday dinner. It was roast. It was wonderful. So good. Uh, this older couple gathered up strays, basically. Single strays, but we qualified because we were strays <laughs> from the colonies, I think they might have said. <laughs> and they, they had us every week, actually, and it went without saying. They didn't actually have to say each Sunday, mm. um, are you coming for lunch? Mm. We just turned up. They took care of us at Christmas time as well, and that has continued to be a wonderful connect. Mm. So we chose that church because there was mm. food and yeah. generous people and, and love. Mm. Yeah. 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 Not an example as a specific, but I think the people who've shown greatest hospitality to me have modelled that you don't have to have everything perfect. Mm. Your house doesn't mm. have to be tidy and, you know, like out of Home and Garden magazine or whatever, that they just opened their door and had people around, um, around a kitchen table mm. without the ceremony of, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, with having everything beautiful, but I think it just set a really good example, particularly for a group of us as university students, that actually we could be hospitable too, yeah. like in our flats where we might not have had dining table chairs or, you know, and we all sat around on the ground, but that hospitality can be given and received by anybody, no matter how much you've got to give or receive. It's an attitude of the heart rather than of resources. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so mm. it's... I can think of a few examples yeah. around that. I can think of times when I've gone around and I felt like, oh, I'm going around to someone's house for lunch and they give me cheese on toast. <laughs> and I think, oh, this is so good because I can do that. It doesn't mm. mean that when people come around to my house, I have to provide a you know full spread. Mm. It could be cheese on toast, you know, could be some soup. Could be takeaways quite easily. Yeah, yeah. Still fish and chips, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, when we look at what the world says hospitality is, I did some, you know, dictionary diving, you know, the internet. Uh, It says the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors and strangers. Mm. And I love that actually it's not really about the food. It's just receiving and entertaining or making space for guests, visitors and strangers. Mm. If that's what the world says, and we look at so many biblical examples of where hospitality can be woven into some of the scriptures, you know, breaking bread with one another, Jesus was so hospitable and he did it in the most surprising ways as well. He didn't require a banquet. You know, he was hospitable with, I don't know, a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And turning an awful lot of water into wine. <laughs> I like that one. You know, <laughs> just that generosity. I love that in that definition, mm. that word generosity, that it's more than they expected. It's a reflection of God's hospitality is that generosity mm. of provision in, in what Jesus did, which I really love. And I was thinking of an example of when I was in in Bethlehem, in the West Bank, and we were presented with this meal. And, you know, it was this huge plate. And the more that we ate, the more the plate was filled up. Mm. So that it was just, we will keep giving until you've had enough. This generosity, I thought. 
Jesus would have liked that. Mm. Mm. I reckon he would have. Mm. And I think with the examples of Jesus, what really confronts me is who he eats with. Mm. It's not just people like him or the people that were a certain status in society that he does eat and invites himself to sinners and the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the the undesirables in society. And I think that is a real challenge to Mm. us as the church today. Are we hospitable only to people who it's easy to Mm, be hospitable to? And who are we actually inviting to share the table with, Mm. share our lives with and our stories with? And when I think of the family table, the dining room table, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a hassle to get everyone to the dining room table. But the meals that we have together as a house, so I live with a family and they've got a couple of kids, they are the most hilarious moments of the entire day. And they're they're messy and they're fun and they are like, you know, you're almost crying with laughter out of the most surprising stories or exchanges or things that happen as you're passing, you know, different condiments down the table. But actually, they aren't neat and tidy, but they are beautiful. Mm. And I think we're invited to share the table with different ages and stages. And so my dinners wouldn't be as exciting if I didn't have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old at the table. Because the stories they bring are brilliant, you know, (laughs) and the worlds are navigating a different... Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking what you were saying, Jan, and I was thinking Jesus broke bread with the broken... Mm. And when we look at the Old Testament, actually, hospitality and those moments of shared meals were just woven throughout all of it. You know, we think of the Passover and actually how important kids and young people were in that as one generation passed on the stories to another. You know, actually gathering around the table is where generations pass on the stories to another. Mm. There's a lot of modelling around the table, eh? I think of those traditions as well and what you're creating as a family around the table too. Yeah, and repetition, mm. which we can shy away from and think, oh, we can't do the same thing mm. twice. You know, we do Christmas and Advent and Lent and Easter, and you know, we repeat that over mm. and over, and that's you know at the heart of the Passover. And one of the things I really love about that Passover meal too is, if your neighbour doesn't have enough and you have some, then mm. you take that and you give that to your neighbour, mm. so that everybody in the community. So hospitality is not just about me and my family around the table, it's about yeah. the community. So it's very challenging to think, you know, and it brings up issues of injustice and the unequal distribution mm. of resources, you know, how generous are we, similar to what you were saying, Jane, you know, how generous are we beyond, beyond our own kitchen table? Mm. Archbishop Dom Tamahiri told this story last year and I can't remember all the details in particular but he was sharing how Manakitanga, how we offer hospitality and welcome in our spaces oh look we can hear a, uh, a rural fire alarm that's how real this, uh, this conversation is so you know pray for the people we're on fire <laughs> oh my god called out the fire engines <laughs> Wow, thanks, Annette. Um, what was I saying? So, yeah, Archbishop Don was saying that actually Manakitanga, that ability to offer hospitality and welcome, it's a justice issue because yes. if you do not have the resources or do not have the money to offer hospitality, to provide food or welcome, if you don't have a space to live, if you don't have a space to offer to come and stay, it's actually a justice issue because you're robbing someone of the dignity of offering Manakitanga. Yes. So... It just made me think that actually it's such an important part of life, but it's often a lot harder. It does take some resource to be generous. So just thinking about actually the way that different people offer hospitality um, may look different to different people in our congregation. Actually, the way that, you know, 90-year-old Alison will offer hospitality will look different to a couple who have quite a high income, perhaps. 
and it, and it actually can be different. There's beauty in that mm. difference as well. Yes, and emphasising that hospitality isn't necessarily just about the food you bring to the table as yeah. well, that yeah. you might not have anything physically to bring to the table in terms mm. of food, but you bring who you are and you bring conversation, you bring story. And, yeah, I think that is part of the potluck as mm. well. What do you bring? And, and if you're a child, of course, you often mm. don't have resources in terms of maybe food or something to bring like that. Mm. But are we open to what they do have to bring to the table? Yeah. Which is fresh perspectives and humour and fun mm. and energy. And mm. those are all part of the offering and what we bring as well. And when I think of the church tradition, I find myself in the Anglican church, you know, the Lord's Supper, the gathering of communion, it's a family meal. Everyone is welcome. And actually, one of the only things they say about, you know, coming up for communion, I think it's based in the Gospels as well, is that you need to get your heart right with other people in the room. Actually, if you if you have a grudge with someone, that's the barrier to coming to the communion table. It's not resources or money or experience. It's actually, you know, how are your relationships with other people? But it's a family meal and all are welcome. And perhaps the church is a great place to experience that. I think the Lord's Supper, the communion, being at the heart of who we are as the gathered community, mm. it's just such a wonderful, grounded, centering um, practice that we have as a church. And to not shy away from that, it can seem quite foreign to people coming in from outside and experiencing it for the first time. But, you know, we know count the stories of people who actually have encountered God really powerfully taking communion or being part of that that's hugely impacted their faith with God mm. when you think of Henri Nouan when he talked about the Lord's Supper and you know the space of gathering he talked about how there were four things it was taken blessed broken and given and so actually in that kind of that process of receiving communion you aren't necessarily the end point, you are given, you're given for the world. And so hospitality is one amazing expression of it. It's so that we are given to the world rather than just we're receiving it and we're, it ends here. It's actually something that can empower the world to see Jesus as well. Mm. And I guess as we think about this in an intergenerational context, that some of the work that church, you know, church leadership needs to do in the church community need to do in their own context around, you know, what are some of those core activities of the church, the communion or the Lord's Supper, or how do we celebrate that together intergenerationally? And that might look quite different mm. in different contexts, but that is, it's good work to figure out how to do that so that the generations can participate. And that's probably one of the things that having had this break with COVID that yeah. has made us think about what was the core of us meeting together and what was it that we missed the most. In the church context that I'm in, one of the things that happened was we decided we didn't want to exclude anybody, so we met in small groups of 25 for quite a long time and then those groups were intentionally intergenerational so the leader of each group had to rethink how they led the group so that they were hospitable to everybody to the toddler that was wandering around the edges to the eight-year-old in the middle or the teenager or the elderly person so that has been a very interesting journey for us of actually re-engaging with children and because it's a small group setting everyone's voice was heard and mm. the value that we heard from being hospitable and, and allowing the eight-year-old to share as equally as the 80-year-old, we all grew in relationship. There was a real depth to the relationship through that time. Mm. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I think COVID impacted my faith community quite a lot too, but we had a few people through the course of this year complaining that we were no longer welcoming. And as I said, that was something that really struck us when we arrived at that church, that people were so hospitable. But people were saying, oh, we've lost our hospitality. And I think that's a natural thing that happened over COVID. We were told to socially distance. We were told that we couldn't gather together. And I think we had lost the habit of being hospitable, Mm. of offering hospitality to each other. So we decided that we would do a bit of a series on hospitality and just really encourage people to own that, that this is not something that comes from the leader and the pastor. We all have to own our responsibility there. And we did it intergenerationally. We did it all ages together. We actually set our whole church auditorium up around trestle tables. So people sat like at a banquet, like at a feast together for the service. And we talked about biblical examples of hospitality. And so we had this little phrase that hospitality is modelled by God, personified in Christ and expected of his followers. And then we actually ate together at the end. We, we gave opportunity and space for everyone to think about what they brought to the table. Mm. What are the stories that you bring? We, we use that verse from Psalm 78, that one generation will tell the next, mm. the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And we gave people space to actually say, what are your stories about God? And then while we ate we shared those stories and they were sort of that already had space to think about and so the tables were all generations all ages together the children were encouraged to share and so the message was this is not just a one-off event how are we going to make this a mark of who we are as the people of God from this point on and rediscover that trait of hospitality and welcoming all ages that we all have something to bring to the table so it was, it was fun, uh, it was inclusive, mm. it was loud and noisy and messy, mm. but those were all things to celebrate. Mm. It's one of my highlights of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. And I think that COVID actually made us innovate a lot more. Perhaps churches mm. were trying different things in the way that we're gathering. And I think for so often we thought that hospitality was an industry, and it, it, it is. It's the most hardest hit, but actually... Mm. When we look at how people were gathering in that kind of COVID seasons, we were rediscovering the picnics. We were rediscovering what it looks like to be hospitable, sitting on picnic chairs on the other side of the lawn. You know, like actually it was the relationship and the presence. It was the slowing down in a hurried world to actually be really present with someone. And it can look really different. It doesn't have to be the the banquet, the table. A group of my friends and their kids when we were in one of the Auckland lockdowns. We actually gathered for communion online together, so each household was on Zoom. We would never have done that prior to COVID, but you know, some of the families in my friendship group were going through really difficult times and we just felt like we needed to connect together and communion became this connection point. So that was, you know, that was just um, something unexpected. Um, Mm. That was really beautiful. It was a gift that, as hard as that season was, It was a real gift to our friendship group, that experience. Thinking about the long lockdowns in Auckland, our church did actually go on to Zoom. um, And the thing that we did on Zoom was not listening to the pastor's sermon necessarily, Mm. but having 
the big Zoom connection with all our faces there and the one question, the whakawhanaungatanga question that got asked of everybody on that Zoom and everyone had their turn. And the guy who's on the autism spectrum in his 50s who finds church in person very awkward Mm. loved that his voice was equal. The lady in the walker who can't move around and talk to everyone, her voice was equal. The children sitting in the living room with their parents, Mm. each one of them was asked the same question. So we did find the Zoom connector and the whakapanaungatanga question a real leveller and equaller. It brought everyone Mm. equally to the table. And that's something we've taken Mm. out from that time now, that we make more Mm. intention to talk with those people whose voices we're missing from Mm. the pre-church chat or after-church chat before COVID. Yeah, and I was just actually thinking about the fact that when we did church on Zoom and we had breakout groups for coffee time afterwards, it was random, and so I was in a group with people I wouldn't normally have sidled up to and have my tea or coffee with afterwards. Mm. And that was a gift in itself, actually, mm. to chat to someone who I wouldn't normally mm. have chatted to. Yeah, it was good. And I think we then, coming out of these experiences, are trying to think, well, what do we, what do we take from mm. these experiences that, you know, we, we don't want to be on Zoom um, no. for hours and we don't want our church lives to be on Zoom, we're over it. But it taught us some things, it gave us some gifts around how we become hospitable as whole communities and adaptable and creative. Mm. And so what does that now look like as we head you know, into another year and mm. we have missed being face to face so how Mm. do we how do we really continue to value that and not take people for granted Mm. and also you know covid made us gather in different ways i've been listening to some podcasts from priya parker about Mm. the art of gathering and just the challenge that we don't have to gather in the ways that we always have Mm. and i think some of the the frustrations we've had going through covid and then coming back to church is that we've often slipped into the default ways of gathering which actually excludes some people as well you know if you're less able to be there or if you have hearing issues in different spaces like actually there were some really beautiful ways of gathering and i I wonder as church leaders are thinking about the importance of hospitality and manakatanga and creating a space for connection for these generations that Maybe we just need a blank canvas to start thinking of different ways to gather, different ways to create connection. While it's necessary for building the relationships and forming greater relationships in our church, it's also to invite Jesus into the space that actually yes. we, we see and we hear Jesus in others. There's such benefit in being around diverse groups of people and diverse ages and stages who can share Jesus with us not just their experience of life, but actually to speak God's truth into our lives as well. And for us to do the same, to speak it to the younger ones or the older ones. And yeah, so maybe they're they're new and creative ways that we could do that. That's one of the things I've also read, The Art of Gathering, a prayer part of this book. And um, what's our reason for, Mm. what's our reason for gathering? And so maybe COVID helped us kind of identify the things we were missing. What, What is our reason for gathering? And that's that is, I agree, Diana, around our relationships and that as a community we draw each other into God's presence. So that mm. connection with God, but that community connection with God. Mm. Not just our individual, but actually you know, God is at work in us as a community. And if we are prepared to look around the room at all the ages and learn and be learners and yes. listen to what God is saying, that can be a very deep time. 
Mm-hmm. I was reminded of a time when my little grandson ran into worship so excited because there was great music playing and he had his ukulele and I had a 60-year-old come to me after church and said, God spoke to me through Theo this morning. He challenged me and said, are you this excited to come into my presence and mm. worship God yes. as Theo is? And I had to confess, no, I'm not. <laughs> so she said, I'm listening to God and watching him at the same time. So when we can be in that space and when mm. we can be humble and say, I can learn from a three-year-old mm. if I listen to what God is yes. saying, we are all richer for that. Mm. Yes. Listening, I think, is, is something that's come to me from our conversation this mm-hmm. morning, listening to each other but also listening to God who speaks when we gather in his name. Yeah, Mm. awesome. I was reminded by our friend Karen that actually an intergenerational community and the spaces where we're invited to go deep and slow in a shallow and hurried world, Mm. that actually it's a challenge but a really beautiful invitation to go deep and slow with one another and to see where God is at work in our lives and what we could do together in his name. Thank you for your time together. We may have to leave Matheson Bay, but um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for your stories and your time. Thank you, Diana. Ka kite.